had that glow. You know the one you have when you meet the love of your life at a wedding in Hawaii? And he wants to make you his forever. The one you have when you know that nothing can go wrong at 36. Well, it only took three little words to dim my light. I felt like I was jumped in a game, given these colors, the color pink. I soon learned there was nothing pretty in pink. Managing the ebbs and flows after a breast cancer diagnosis was never ending. Our life together was just beginning, but we had no future in sight. I'm now standing here in my chemo glow, willing to share my moments, because I soon learned that the glow doesn't define me. I define the glow. Hi guys, welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. I am a little under the weather today, so I'm going to try to define my glow and make sure that I am doing it well. Thank you for joining me for another podcast. We are lining these podcasts up. Um, So you guys should see one drop almost every Friday for the next five weeks weeks. And I'm excited about that. Now you guys know that you need to go to our YouTube channel and check us out. And when you do, what do you need to do? You need to hit the subscribe button. Let me see if I can find this little thing right here. Subscribe, hit the button. So you know, every time that we're coming on now, you know, we do the podcast, we do the lives, and I want to make sure that you guys are seeing everything. So if you see chemo glow, live. We're normally on YouTube, Facebook. You can catch us on Instagram, but our podcasts are available everywhere on Apple Podcasts, the Spotify. There is no reason why you cannot find us. So I need you to make sure you subscribe, see us, make sure you um, build our website. Come on our website and check us out. We have a new website, chemoglow.com. I'm actually building my website and I want you guys to join in and let me know what you think. What do I need to add? I'm building it and I want your, I want your help with it. So um, I'm looking forward to having more people share their glow. And you can do that by emailing me at chemoglow at gmail.com. Come check us out. Now, I've been meeting a lot of people through volunteering um, at UNC. And I met this lovely lady that's coming up now. I've been, we've been talking about getting her on the show for a while now. And I'm so glad that she has found the time to um, come and tell us about her story, tell us about her glow, tell us about her gift. And I got my tissue box here ready because I'm pretty sure it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful podcast. I'm going to go ahead and bring Miss Anita on. How you doing? I'm great, Regina. How are you? <laughs> Trying to get my whole life together. I'm a little <laughs> off this morning. I want people to help me build my podcast and my website, but hey. <laughs> oh, every, everyone earns some downtime, don't you know? I must yes. tell you, um, 
your intro is so inspiring. Just gave me goosebumps, you know, your voice, number one. And, um, you know, you're very compelling. So uh, I'm going to make sure I hit the button. Because I listen, but you know what? I think I forget to hit the button. So hit the button. Oh, chemo that brain button. for me. I'm gonna blame everything on chemo brain for the rest of my Look, life. So. Chemo brain is a real thing. And it was funny. My husband, he finally, I kept saying, you know, everything's foggy. They really don't get it until we went to a Live Strong program. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, let's talk about um uh chemo glow, not chemo glow, chemo brain. And sure enough, and I was like, look. See, I told you, I told you there's a such thing of it. I know. And it's, you know, what's funny is I have a nephew um, his P, in doing his PhD and mm-hmm. he studied the effects of uh, five fluorouracil on um, the brain tissue of rats. And, um, you know, my background is on oncology. I'm a yeah. pharmacist for real, but um, I didn't just sleep at Holiday Inn. I'm a real pharmacist, <laughs> but um, I, uh, but it's real. And I, yeah. I, you know, it really infuriates me when someone tells me it's not because yes. I live with it. Yes. <laughs> so. And living with it is uh, like, it's totally different than what people think it is. It's like, oh, you're just having a moment. No, I can't no. put the words together. Like it's simple words. I'm like, it's there, but I can't even tell you what it is. Yeah. And your brain's husband, choosing the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband's like, well, you know, can you talk it into your phone? I was like, no, cause I don't even know what it is. It is- <laughs> Maybe we can Help. play charades, draw it out. Ding, 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 got it. All right. Help me out here. And what's so funny, I actually have a sign for my husband when I like something is not computing. I mean commuting. I'm like, I'll point to my ear and he'll say it again if we're in a group of people. That uh-huh. way I'll know. He's like, I'm not following. Half the time I'm not listening, but I'm really not following because I can't get it. So that is so funny. I did the same thing with Jim. I would go like, okay, just I need to you? hear that again. It's funny. I just, yeah. It, you know, it's like baby sign language. I guess we've got some emo sign language that's yeah. brainstem function or something because I did, I did the same thing. And it's I, so you know, funny. I used to get paid for like figuring things out, finding, you know, putting off the fires before they happen and seeing them happen. And now I'm like, okay, I got to figure out what the fire is before I could put it out. <laughs> I'm so with you. (laughs) So you get it, right? And it's so hard. And after a while, I'm glad we can laugh about it. I know. I know. know, Because in the beginning, there you don't find much to laugh. I mean, there seems like nothing can be laughed at. You know, you feel like you're being sacrilegious almost to laugh Mm -hmm. at this. But I think my fondest times were in radiation therapy when everyone, you know, I'm putting quotes around this, let their hair down because none yeah. of us had any, but <laughs> we would share stories. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, my gosh, if I'd, I'd only known that, you know, two weeks ago, a month yeah. ago, whatever. Um, yeah. And then that dark, someone might call it dark humor, but, you know. Um, you got to okay. find the lining. And, you have to um, find the lining in it. Radiation. It, uh, it's where where people really let their hair down. I remember my radiation appointment. Uh, a lady walked in and she pulled up her shirt and said, you're going to look like this. And I was like, oh. and then she walked out. I was like, what the heck? And what's your name? I know, right? And I don't know if you ever read the little book. And guys, we're going to get to the stories, but I, I'm enjoying this. So if you read that little book that was in radiation where people used to, um, right there, um, comments. Oh. It was a journal. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, when I was there, that journal got ugly because breast cancer and lung cancer, let me tell you that they don't get along. And I didn't know there was such a divide because there's so much, you know, the power of pink and everything and lung cancer doesn't get the same, you know, spotlight as breast cancer, even though it's the number one cancer killing women and men. So, um, I did not know. And I used to read through that. It was like reading through the stories, like, what are y'all saying this week? And, you know, my mother unfortunately passed away of lung cancer. So just knowing that there is a true difference between those two. Yeah. But but, the fact that it doesn't have to be competitive or it shouldn't be, I mean, you know, one and two, both are bad. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I don't want to hear the words or something. (laughs) I don't want to hear those words. Okay. We can all be kind. (laughs) We can all be kind, but yeah, radiation. I remember my husband may be a body butter because my skin, they said it's going to be like a sunburn, but that's a lie. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That would have been nice. That would have been nice if I only had a little sunburn so he came up with this whole concoction that he made from home and it smelled so good that I was on the table with my shirt off and people were like smelling me and I'm like do you do you not know that I'm half naked <laughs> laying up there trying to hold my arm up <laughs> and and breathe just right yeah yeah aromatherapy for everybody else is what you were bringing to the picture <laughs> yeah so that's where you have to find the humor and all that goes on you like you just you just have to find the humor in it well let me talk about how I met you yes we were at um well not at because everything's done by zoom these days um PFAC, Patient Family Advisory Council, um, for UNC, for you you guys that don't know about it, it's a great council. It's really patient-focused. And I remember seeing you on the screen, and I was like, okay, how do I reach out to her? Do I just reach out to her? And I never said a word. Like, I just, every time you talked, I would just say, hi, how are you doing? (laughs) And then later on, like recently, you said, hey, Regina. Uh, I have somebody I want to be on your podcast. And I was like, but will you be on my podcast? (laughs) (laughs) But The things that you do for the cancer community and just getting the PFAC together, because taking those notes, sending those notes out, doing all that stuff. And the fact that you are a pharmacist yourself, you really have a great input on what's going on. What brought you to the PFAC? Thank you. Well, you know, I'm a consultant. I'm, I'm a pharmacist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I practiced uh, for about 13 years in, in New York. Um, but then I got into consulting. So I was a consultant for 21 years. And that's the dark side of mm-hmm. pharmacy. Um, so as a consultant, you know, there you always look at what can be done better, differently. And I think when you're in a in stressful situations, you you seek out what you know, what you mm-hmm you know, can what you feel you can contribute or your comfort zone, right? So that's your usually area of expertise. So I was hospitalized. I was on um, doxorubicin, cyclophosphamide, taxol. Um, and cyclophosphamide uh, can cause uh, pneumonitis, inflammation of the lungs. It's a very rare side effect. But let me tell you, any rare side effect, I bingoed on every yeah. chemo. You know, it's, you know, I'm like, come on. So um, I was treated for bronchitis. This was in the summertime. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, you don't usually get, I mean, I don't have bronchitis. I don't have asthma. I don't have, I didn't have any pre-existing respiratory 
problem. Mm -hmm. So why are, why are we going down this vein? I mean, it's not, you know, it's the summertime. Yeah. Um, cough nonstop. Cough. Finally was admitted, admitted in July in a teaching hospital. That's not always the best thing either, right? Um, because yes. it's July. Yes. So I was there for 12 days um, while they were working me up in the cancer hospital. And as a consultant, I'm thinking, okay, well, now you're paying me to be here or you're paying my insurance company to be here because the length of stay is really long now. So I was, you know, had to be assertive yeah. uh, about the medications and, and this, that, and the other thing. So when I was discharged, um, you know, my treatment was delayed, obviously, for two weeks, which, which was flipping me out. Um, yeah. because, um, my background was oncology pharmacy at Sloan Kettering. So I was flipping out about, uh, I don't need to delay treatment, mm -hmm. um, unavoidably delay treatment. And I just felt we need to move. We need to move. So when I went to see my oncologist who I love, I basically said, until you hear me out, I'm not yeah. sitting on that table for you to examine me. So I'm going to delay everybody else in this clinic until you listen to my experience and it was, it was not, it was not optimal. There was yeah. room for change. So, you know, she listened. And then the comment was, you need to meet Loretta. <laughs> 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 Loretta must. So uh, that was how, and then I interviewed with Loretta and, you know, you know how it is. Um, <laughs> when you interview at Loretta. It's a done deal. <laughs> well, but you know how you are yeah. when you're that far into your chemo treatment, regardless of what your diagnosis is, regardless yep. if you had surgery or not, if you had chemo, whatever you you're having chemo now yeah. and you have been poked and prodded yep. and everything, nothing is in your control anymore. Yeah. So when you have someone's attention, that's when you have control. Yes. Maybe for a millisecond, it's the illusion of control. I don't know, but it's yeah. control. And I just, you know, put it out there. Like, you know, I didn't mince words. I, I you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't rude or offensive. I was just facts. I was just speaking the facts. Like this is insane. And yeah. the thing is, I know it could be better, mm -hmm. but I'm the nth percentile who mm -hmm. knows. I mean, my mom would say, Oh, well, what was wrong with that? You yeah. know, and I'm thinking everything is Every, wrong with that. You um, have to advocate. And that's why that doctor said, right. you need to meet Loretta. Right. Because we had a little <laughs> flag in our in our folder that said her husband is very involved in her treatment. <laughs> right. I, I learned that later. And they put those little notes in there. So they know that, okay, when you walk in this room, you need to be ready. But I think you should be ready each time, even for someone who doesn't understand. But right. again, folks be like, what's wrong with that? And that's exactly why I end up naming this podcast um, Puzzle Pieces. Because <laughs> at the end of your blurb, you said um, it was a lot of puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself the one putting it together sometimes. Right. And sometimes, like, you know, losing them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's back up a little bit and mm -hmm. talk about where were you at at the time when you were giving your diagnosis? How was life before? Let's talk about life before. Oh, well, um, well, I uh, like your intro. I had met uh, and married the love of my life um, yes. later in life. Um, I met him. I was his consultant. Um, he's he was also a pharmacist. Uh -huh. um, and uh I didn't know he liked me until the uh, end of the consulting project. I, you know, oh. I, you get to know someone. There he is. Jim. Yes. Jim. Um, he was, 
a very powerful um, influencer in the world of pharmacy and in mm -hmm. the healthcare um, sector of pharmacy. Um, and I was intimidated by him um, because he was so well known, you know, and mm -hmm. then here this consultant comes in and how am I gonna, how am I gonna tell him anything? So <laughs> anyway, you know, uh, it just, it was one of those love stories that I didn't know was working um, yeah. in the background. And um, so we were married uh, in 2006. And then we moved to Florida. I lived in mm -hmm. Fort Myers, moved there in 2012. And um, Jim had, uh, while we were there, was diagnosed with lung cancer. So we went mm -hmm. through that and I was his caregiver. And now as a consultant, I traveled. I got on a plane on Monday and I got home on Thursday night, Friday morning, it depends, you know, yeah. was it a red eye from the West Coast? Did I have to leave on a Sunday because I had a Monday morning meeting? I mean, this was, you know, no one did anything virtual. Then yeah, because you know presence is all important, and I traveled all over the country. I didn't have a territory. I went wherever the project and the need was for my expertise or skill sets. So um, here we are dealing with his, um, you know, chemo cancer. Get through that, and then I'm back on the road. Um, and I went to um, Machu Picchu. I, I met Ooh. someone. Uh, one of my clients in Oklahoma and Lynn put together um, a trek of mostly women. I, I only uh -huh. knew her and it was awesome. And I trained for like 18 months, you know, cause you know, there's no elevation in mm -hmm. Florida. Um, so I had to train very interestingly ways, uh, interesting ways and um, went to Machu Picchu. Jim wasn't able to go because of his lung cancer. You know, mm -hmm. he needed knee replacements and so forth. So he was like, you need to go do this. You know, you've, You've taken care of me. You need to go do this. So I go to Machu Picchu. It was in May. Then my nephew mm -hmm. got married. It was awesome, awesome, awesome. Then we had Hurricane um, Irma in um, in Florida. And that's when I got the news. Uh, it was on a Friday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, mm -hmm. We were in a hotel uh, because our, you know, we had no power. And we oh, were wow. in and out of the house. We didn't have any damage, luckily. But we just, you know had no power, everything flooded and the power lines went down. And so we'd been cleaning the yard up every day. And I was sitting in my car at the grocery store parking lot and it was three o'clock in the afternoon. You remember these things. Oh my, my phone goodness. Rings, yeah. And it's my um, GYN telling me that number one, she had been debating whether or not to tell me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And you decided to tell me at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon, <laughs> you know, hello, the best time. Exactly. And then, you know, it, it, I just knew that I wasn't going to stay there for treatment for yeah. a variety of, of questions and answers that I didn't like the answers to, um, uh -huh. again, because of my background. So life was awesome. Um, we had 20, 2015, we had a two-year-old uh, grandson. Oh, I um, have a picture of some of your Oh your my family. gosh, that's the whole crew. Yeah, the <laughs> grandson's in the yellow shirt holding the ball. Um, oh my goodness. And he was two at the time. There's Jim and uh, his son, young Jim, I'll say, and his mm -hmm. wife, Lisa, and then me on the lower right with Chase, Jim's oldest daughter, Jennifer, and then Megan and Jason, who are now married, and that's Katie Claire holding the pink ball. Um, they're now eight and five, and they have a little sister, Sophia, 
and Cameron and uh, Cameron is the the other grandchild. Megan has a little boy, Cameron, who's um, a year and a half. Uh-huh. But we, you know, we were, you know, Jim would say living large. You know, we yeah. were riding bikes all the time. He had gotten through his lung cancer. Here I was on the left there. Mm-hmm. I guess um, that's me in Patagonia. Patagonia is, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, that's me in Machu Picchu. Way behind me is Machu Picchu. We had like another wow. two hour hike. We'd gotten up before sunbreak that day. Um, to hike in the darkness with headlamps on. Um, and I'm talking a very treacherous trail, but oh my gosh, uh, it was just, it was wonderful, wonderful. Um, and then I get this news mm. and um, I had to process it for a couple of days before I told Jim mm-hmm. because he would have a lot of questions that I wasn't going to have answers to. You know how that I yes. know how that is. I, I, I just, I, I was just in Colorado and I had a snowmobile accident and they were like, have you called your husband yet? I was like, not till I get to the urgent care. I have the answers because when soon as I send that text or call, he's going to be like, boom, 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 boom. So yeah, I already, I already know my husband. So I was like, I'm right. going to wait. <laughs> so right. I, I need to, I, you know, I, uh, I, I just, you know, it just, his personality would, yeah. would just stress me out if I didn't have the answers. So exactly. it wasn't, you know, and the other thing is I had to, I had to wrap my head around the diagnosis mm-hmm. so that when I shared it with someone, I wouldn't lose it. You yeah. know, it, yeah. you know, it, you know, I have to be the picture of calm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then things just really got upside down, inside out. Um, yeah, I was, uh, placed on an investigational rather than doing IV chemo, um, mm. I was placed on investigational. So I, I uh, was randomized and I would say I bingoed, uh, mm-hmm. which was great for dual therapy, oral and monthly injectable. So I, I could still work. Um, okay. I could now still you were, finish out my projects. You were diagnosed with breast cancer, correct? I, I'm sorry. Yes. I was diagnosed um, with breast cancer. And at the time it was lobular. I mean, it still was, but it yeah. was just the, the staging was, was very mild. Okay. Um, and when I got to UNC, um, mm. that's when I found out, well, it's actually the tumor's bigger. Than... Same thing happened to me. UNC uh, was my second. Right. And right. my like, husband how could they was like, this? what do you mean? It's invasive and it's this and it's that. Right. And then you really turn into an advocate for your care. Because you're you like, do. That's, that's not what I... I thought it was now I'm fighting something, uh, you know, a different type of beast. Right. You prepared, you did, you did whatever research you're going to do, you know, hopefully, you know, I did not, you know, quote, treat myself. I'm not a physician, but you Mm -hmm. know, my thesis was on doxorubicin. I did Mm. oncology pharmacy. So, uh, you know, I I knew more than the average Joe, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was opening. Um, you know, with, with more biopsies required. And, and um, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in uh, research uh, mm-hmm. in participating in research. Uh, so, you know, uh, providing or allowing extra tissue. Mm-hmm. And if the protocol made sense for me, um, then I, I wasn't, uh, you know, afraid of, of uh, enrolling in investigation because how else are we going to learn? You know, how else, you know, we got to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, until there's a, you know, definitive cure from the get-go where our cells don't go haywire, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that was eye-opening and the, um, the diagnostic mammography uh, 
group, everybody, physicians, all the clinicians there, not just physicians mm-hmm. were awesome. And, you know, they're busy as I'll get out, um, uh, as is everybody, um, mm-hmm. every cancer center is busy. Um, but they really took extra time to make sure that I understood that I wasn't just going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. whole time my head's spinning, you know, <laughs> but like, do you get it? Do you get it? And um, they said, you know, with Jim and I both, and, you know, we were, you know, we were deer in the headlights because that's yeah. not where that's not the information we went in with. So, yeah. Um, but we, you know, we got through it. Um, everyone does, but mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you know, the alternative was not the option for us. So, yes. you know. <laughs> and when you talk about research, let's talk a little bit more about that. Cause I remember when they would come in and they would ask those questions, would you like to be a part of this research project? And the whole thing, I'm like, I'm going through cancer. I can't wrap my brain around what's going on. But later on, I had a nurse navigator talk to me about, okay, they're coming in your room because of this, that, and the other. Because I said, if one more person comes in here and asks me about soy milk, I, I promise you I'm going to throw something <laughs> at the door. <laughs> and I was, it was the same questions over and over and over. But then I had to get, okay, this research makes sense for me to do this. This mm-hmm. makes sense. This doesn't make sense. Let me see what else I need to do. So understanding the thought process behind research, why would you advocate for people to do research and be in those programs? I know you briefly talked about that, but what is the being in the field that you're in, knowing what can happen with research, what would be a big thing to advocate for people actually participating in research? Well, again, it's, you know, it has to fit you, the patient, you plural, the patient, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There, and I think a lot of the I would say reluctancy is Mm -hmm. perhaps in the delivery, the communication, what level is this being explained Mm -hmm. to me at? Um, Am I allowed, do I feel the pressure to sign today? It's like sign on the dotted line right now. You know, this offer is only good for the next 10 seconds, something (laughs) like that. You know, I'll never come back to you. Um, You know, but understanding that you at times do have times to consider, um, and come back and make your decision. What, uh, w- with all that information, the bottom line is, if we don't, with any drug, it's not just with with cancer, right? But with any mm-hmm. drug or any treatment modality, uh, even devices, if we're not able to study them in a controlled patient population, mm-hmm. meaning, um, you know, age range or in, in breast cancer, what type of tumor is it? What other treatments has the patient already received? Like those things are controlled. So it's a, it is not, um, you know, it's, it, it's not yet for worldwide application, but we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out, does it work in a, in a limited population? What are the pros and cons? It has to be a, po- it has to be a lot of positives. Benefit mm-hmm. has to outweigh the risks. Um, and in that situation, that's the only way we're going to find out what drugs or what combination of drugs, what mm-hmm. duration do you go every three weeks? Do you go every week? Is it a one hour infusion? Is it a five hour infusion? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what is it we're doing? We don't know that unless, unless patients sign up to be um, subjects in the study. Um, you know, just, just remember that before we get to treating patients with research, we've already investigated the drug and other um, models. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we, we just, we don't, a drug's not discovered 
oh, look, we think we have something that works and let's now mm-hmm. go apply it to patients or to human beings. So we have, there have been other um, mechanisms, modalities for research to then basically jump through the different phases with the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA to then be said, okay, now we're ready for human trials. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with cancer, with chemotherapy, um, there's not going to be, I mean, a placebo means you get no treatment. So that's, yes. that's that would never be safe. That's never safe for the patient. Yeah. So you're randomized to some, if it's a randomized study where no one knows what you're getting usually, even the, usually in the investigators as well, so that uh, to kind of prevent any bias, like they think it's working. So a lot of times it's a double randomized. The patient doesn't know and the investigator does not know what the patient's on. Um, but it's wow. never a placebo. One of the treatments would never be a placebo that I can think of. I mean, I mm-hmm. want to go on a limb and stake that, you know, yeah. claim, but I'm pretty sure yeah. because if you have active cancer, you need an active treatment. Yeah, It's just... What drug are we using? What dose are we using? That could be the difference. And nothing would be subtherapeutic. It would always be a dose of a drug or a drug that has been um, the, the, if it's randomized because you're one of two drugs, mm-hmm. the drug would show um, value, would show benefit, would mm-hmm. show improvement in the disease state, in this case, drug and cancer. But the dose might be different. Or mm. is it oral versus injectable? And in that case, you might get a placebo oral because you're getting the real drug IM in, or IV. Oh. You know, so just it, the reason that it would be, you just don't want a lot of times the investigator to know what the patient's on because you have this perceived bias. Oh, they're getting better. Oh, it looks like when I go to measure, you know how they, they would get the... Um, the, the little marker. tape measure or yeah. the markers, right? Measure everything, you know, because they <laughs> you know, they didn't do 3D imaging on every time you went in. But yeah. when they would measure to see is the tumor growing or is mm-hmm. it is it is it at least stopped? Is there's no increase? Um, you know, if because that's just a you're just measuring it and, and you know, are you really is it really accurate? But you don't want to perceive bias of who I think it shrunk. You know, mm-hmm. or I think it's it's getting larger because you're not on the dose I think you should be on. So that's the perceived bias that you eliminate by double blinding everybody. No one knows except the pharmacist who's dispensing the medication. They're the yes. ones who know. And, and oh. they're not. And so but they don't communicate that with the investigators or the patient. You know, there's mm-hmm. a whole investigational drug service in a pharmacy department, in a hospital or in a cancer center where all the investigational drugs are maintained. Um, strict controls. I mean, the quality, the assurance, the auditing, it, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, it's, it's, it's really rigorous. Um, and that's, you know, they're the only ones who know what you're on. Sometimes they're the ones randomizing the patient is the pharmacist. Oh. Yeah. So. Well, having that background mm-hmm. and now being actively being treated, how was that for you? Like the puzzle pieces all coming together. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, I have this background in it and now mm-hmm. I have to take this drug. I've right. read and I understand what it does to the body on this side, but now uh-huh. I'm actually experiencing it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because you okay. have what we call the red devil. Is that? Is oh this? yes. Dr. Rubison. <laughs> yes. Like I said, my thesis, my master's is in pharmacology. Um, and my thesis was on Dr. Rubison. I can tell wow. you, I can draw you the structure. <laughs> I can tell you everything about Dr. Rubison. But what I was not prepared for mm. is what does it look like when your hair falls out? 
Yeah. You know, that might seem very insignificant to a clinician because it, when I put my pharmacist hat on, oh, oh, it falls out. Yeah. You know, what more does one need to know, right? What yeah. you need to know is when will your white count bottom out? You know, well, yeah. as the patient, that's not what I needed to know. Mm -hmm. um, I was overcome in the shower when my hair came out. I mean, I just oh. kept like, and I had really fine Marsha Brady hair, you know, ears mm -hmm. poked through. I mean, I, <laughs> I now I've got this, always wanted curly hair. Now I have it. I'm like, what do you do with it? Um, but I just kept coming and coming and I'm thinking eventually I'll be bald. And it, no, yeah. it just had a lot of hair. It's just very fine. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Um, and then I wasn't what I didn't know. And a friend, I called a friend, um, in New York who had, um, gone through everything and she gave me kind of the one-on-one on drains and so forth before my surgery. Mm. But what she did not share with me was what it feels like when your hair comes out in her case. Uh, yes. How so, did it feel like with your hair coming out? The burning. Um, yes. Did you have that too? I had the burning. They were like, oh, your hair is going to come out. But what about this burning? Oh, like, why like do I feel fix? like I'm underwater? Yes. Like, oh my God. Yes. yes. It's like, and the way Jennifer explained it, whether it's right or wrong, made perfect sense. She's like, yeah. That hair follicle is just hanging on. Yeah. It won't let go. And when your hair tries <laughs> to come out, the hair follicle pulls it down. So you have yes. this tug of war. And I, my tip is get your hair cut really yes. short before, I, I, before you start chemo. I, I was never, I mean, I wore my hair in ponytails. I mean, I grew yeah. up with three brothers. I grew up on a farm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I lived in town for a bit, but really was yeah. on a farm. And, you know, so you did you did guy things. I mean, they weren't going to play Barbie dolls and stuff mm -hmm. like that with me. So I always had a baseball cap on. You know, I played sports. I was always outdoors. I, I wasn't mm -hmm. tied to my hair. You know, mm -hmm. if my mom put a bow in it, I was probably ripping it out three seconds later or something. <laughs> that just that wasn't me. Um, makeup. None of that was me growing up. None um, of that was me. Yeah. But so I wouldn't. I would not have been afraid to cut my hair really, really short. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was advised to cut it like a bob, which is what I did. And that was great. But then That's it was I still did. too much hair. Because mm -hmm. then, like when you're on the pillow at night and you're rolling and those hair follicles don't want to let go of that Ooh. hair. It was just like someone was pulling your hair, right? It's just, that's what I felt like. Someone I had felt a like grip, someone a grip was on just my hair. one, but like they had each individual piece. And yeah. I started out with the lovely bob. And I used to cut uh -huh. my hair. I didn't care. I was a tomboy. You put it in a ponytail, uh -huh. do whatever. But um, then I end up shaving it off. Um, but I would go to my husband's barber. Um, he would um, let us come after seven o'clock mm -hmm. and he would take care of my hair and shape it up until it actually fell out or whatever. So mm -hmm. I didn't have, my husband didn't shave my head. We had like this whole experience of you get your hair cut and then I get my hair cut next. So it was See, like a bonding type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we did it together. And I like that um, his barber, who I love, LeVar, was like, well, let's do a late appointment so you can be comfortable with it just mm -hmm. in case. And he never said anything as he was cutting it and doing it. And I was just like, okay. But when it actually, oh, oh my goodness, I don't care how short you cut your hair. It still yeah. burns. <laughs> it, <laughs> it does. It does. 
No one says that. They just like, your hair is going to fall out. Well, could you tell me about this burning that I'm feeling? It makes no I know. sense. So here I, you know, my thesis, I, 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 I received a master's in pharmacology. <laughs> the thesis was the final hurdle. And I could not explain to myself what was going on with my hair. Yeah. And that's what was most important. Not all the, all the, you know, uh, clinical yeah. information because I had a whole team of people mm -hmm. who were supposed to be handling that piece of it. Yeah. But, um, and I, you know, I mean, cause I'm not bashful. Um, yeah. We said something um, to the director of the oncology pharmacy <laughs> about, uh, you know, if anyone told me this, I didn't hear it. Yeah. And every appointment I went to, I not only had my husband, Jim, um, the majority of them, I had, um, daughter-in-law, Lisa, she mm -hmm. gave me her, her Thursdays, um, chemo, or Wednesdays, chemo, Thursday chemo, chemo for me was on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So cool. Lisa would drive up from the other side of Winston Salem, you know, hour and a half. And, you know, you had to be there at seven cause heaven forbid yep. you don't find a parking spot. Right. So <laughs> you get up in the wee hours of the morning to drive over with two, with two young kids at that time. Mm. Um, like a baby, I mean, a you yeah. know, under two year old I was the youngest and gave me her Thursdays, um, wow. to sit with me and, um, to be in the dark. So I had people taking notes, it, you know, yes. that's very important too, because as a patient, you cannot take the notes. You're, you're just, you, you're not you listening. Even, you're not listening. <laughs> it's not, it's, you, know, you can be talking to me and I can be like, I, I don't even know what you wore that day. That's how it's you know you're in a you're in that well you're in that yeah. I mean now you're in the ear fog um yeah. not just the brain fog and you know write down your questions mm -hmm. uh like I um I mean and I know how important it is and I think part of it is from my pharmacy experience because I don't I would always tell patients this but here I'm the patient so yeah. I had to be reminded you know you you just oh my gosh I'm 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 forgetting everything that I I trained to do mm -hmm. um but Lisa would take notes and Jim would take notes and then we would ask well what about this or that the next visit you know cuz it takes mm -hmm. a couple of treatments to get to figure it out and for your body yes. to figure it out yes. and you know those puzzle pieces you know if you don't write it down when it happens you're going to forget and you're, and I always used to say, Regina, remember how you're feeling right now? Because mine was, I had treatment on Thursday. Mm -hmm. I knew in three days that I was going to crash. Mm -hmm. So I needed to make sure on that Thursday, on that Friday, I might be able to get some stuff done. Um, but I was crashing by that Sunday, Monday. So Tuesday, Wednesday was like my work days. And I used to work in a different city. So I mm -hmm. would drive to Charlotte from Durham and I would drive and my nurse navigator would call me and be like, are you on the road? Why are you on the road? And I would actually just go and sit in my chair at my other job doing consultant work. And it was really to get away though. Yeah. Because when I um, met my husband, he lived in one city, I lived in another. And I was like, okay, cancer lives over here. I need to go back where I was just for a little <laughs> bit of time with my bald head and my cricket wig and my lymphedema. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I see that you have a suit. I had the oh, brown suit like this and you have on the gray one. <laughs> yes. I call that my, I actually, it's in a box. It's in a tote, plastic tote. I call it my yeah. NASA space suit. You know, oh, when that thing pumped up, you were yes. tilted on one side, couldn't hear anything. <laughs> 
you know, I, I um, thank goodness for streaming apps so that I could, uh, you know, sit with my, my iPad in yeah. a position where I could see it because the TV would be too far away because yeah. people also mess with my eye, with my vision. It- um, oh my goodness. I had, yeah. I had my eyes checked because my daughter-in-law is a, a optometrist. Uh-huh. So I had my eyes checked before everything, you know, had mm-hmm. my, had dental work, went to see a dermatologist. I did all this stuff pre, pre cancer, pre treatment, yes. got on some good, um, I have to give a, give a, um, a blurb for this uh, mm-hmm. cream that my dermatologist wanted me to use. Um, it's called Epicerum, E-P-I. Uh-huh. C-E-A-R-U-M. The problem is, and I'll say this is a problem because as a pharmacist, I don't understand why this is prescription only. It's yeah. just the manufacturer wants it to be because there's uh-huh. nothing in it that makes it. But, you know, that that's a choice of a manufacturer. It's mm-hmm. have to be prescription. And it only, it comes through one, um, I think it's called Blink. Um, a mail order pharmacy is mm-hmm. the only way you can get it. But uh, an insurance doesn't, my insurance doesn't cover it. My previous insurance wouldn't cover it. My PBM wouldn't cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the thing is, it's less expensive than a bottle uh, that, or a tub or of um, ceramide or, yeah. or uh, uh, what, what is it they wanted me to, I can't remember what radiology wanted us to use. Instead oh of my goodness. I know what it was. It was, but it was awful. Yeah. Well, it doesn't work. Aquaphor yeah. or something like Aquaphor. that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, and so this stuff, I got through all 30 radiation treatments without a stop. The last five were the double dose. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. have any skin breakdown until the next, the day after my last radiation treatment. Really? And I place it all on this Episerum works. And um, I told my radiologist about it. He was skeptical at first. I kept bringing mm-hmm. my bottle. You know, I, I would see him on Wednesdays mm-hmm. and I would bring my bottle in every Wednesday so that he uh-huh. could see it. And, I, you know, I didn't apply it before because you can't apply anything before, yeah. but I would mm-hmm. put it on before I got changed. I would put yeah. it on at night, put it on twice a day. Um, and he saw how well my skin did. He's like, hmm, I got to look into this. Um, yeah. But, the, um, you know, between that and then the lymphedema, you know, being all pumped up. And the thing that I would say bothered me the most was when I uh-huh. lost my eyebrows because I had no expression. <laughs> I was, and then I was on that massive doses big... of steroids because yeah. of the pneumonitis in my lungs. Um, Man, yeah. And then oh, you just blow up. Oh my God. My, <laughs> oh, our story is so simple of my <laughs> eyebrows because I did not do makeup. I didn't uh-huh. know how to put eyebrows on. <laughs> Either. So I'm sitting on the top of our stairs and I've told this story before and my husband comes up the stairs and I have one eyebrow and it's like Jack Nicholson, like just ridiculous. And he's just like, what's wrong? It looks okay. And I was like, no, it doesn't. Don't lie. Don't lie. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like the hair I can rock. I can rock a ball head. But this one eyebrow, it's like you, (laughs) that's where I got chemo glow for him. Like the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. Because no matter what, once you start doing chemo, yes, if they didn't know, they know now that something's wrong because your face has, like I had this tint to me. Oh, I I know. This ashen gray look. Very stylish. Yes. And with veins popping out. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And then you talk about mouth care. Yes. It's like, what is going on with my mouth? 
oh yeah, mucositis, yeah. baby. Um, and I was in denial <laughs> that I had it because yeah. you know I'm the pharmacist. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why does underneath <laughs> my tongue hurt so much? Yes. And it's like, well, you got all these sores under there. No, I don't. No, I I'm don't. I'm doing my mouthwash. Well, I'm not doing it often enough. Or, you know. Yeah. And um, oh my gosh, I smelled. Um, I smelled cigarette smoke no matter where yeah. I was. No yep. one smoked. Did you? Yeah. Have yes. Oh, like these are I, things you need to know. Yeah. Like I had that. I was like, why do I smell that? Or I'll say stuff smells like a, um, a penny. Oh um, yeah, the copper oh, smell. The copper yeah. smell. Like you've been licking pennies back yeah. in the day. Like, yeah. So I started to put lemon drops after yeah. chemo or before I, I oh, do a lemon drop. Great idea. Yeah. And I was just like, because it you'd get nauseous trying to what's the smell? It's right. so many things that go on from your skin to your mouth to just all these things. And all they tell you about, oh, you're gonna lose your hair. Yeah, or you know, be careful of infection and yeah, you know. It's yeah. like, but there's so much more that yeah. you really do need to know. And every, you know, everyone's smell could be different, but the bottom mm -hmm. line is you're going to smell something all the time all and the time. there's no reason for it. There's yeah. absolutely no reason for it. Yeah. Um, the wig, <laughs> that picture that you, you said of, of Jim and I at a, yeah, let okay, me that, that's, uh, you know, that's big, that's big, healthy dose of steroid face. Um, yeah, yeah. I had, I had learned to put on, um, I had to go to Ulta to learn how to put on makeup, <laughs> yeah. put on eyelashes and yeah. draw eyebrows and then this wig. And what I didn't have was some sort of tape. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a well, I mean, I have a, had ended up getting a better wig cause um, yeah. my youngest stepdaughter got married in November between chemo ending and radiation starting and I was yeah. you know two ton Tilly out there just a big round blob <laughs> and so I had a better wig for that one that yeah. fit right but this was just a wig and yeah. um and when I move my head too fast the wig would be like <laughs> over here like you know I'm looking but I see like oh I see the inside of my wig now yeah and I'm like so don't move your head fast get the pink tape <laughs> I had no idea. I, I was doing a training and finally somebody said, just take it off. And I was like, All right. I just took it off because it kept shifting. And then I have the fake boob. So that was, <laughs> we haven't and then even started. To pop up at any moment. Yes. Oh, just sit on your neck. Um, and everybody's just looking at you, but nobody's saying anything. I'm like, okay, y'all let me talk this whole entire time. And I look at a mess. You're not being good girlfriends here, you know. Please tell me something's not where it needs to be. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Well, what kind of surgeries did you did you have surgery? I did. I had um, a left mastectomy, okay. and um, because I was on those uh, study, they were drugs that were approved for therapy. The study yeah. was, will they take the place of chemo in shrinking the tumor? So that was the reason because of the, I was uh, estrogen, progestin um, positive. Um, mm -hmm. I was her negative. Um, and they, on imaging and on the measurements that they would do every week when I would go in or every, however, however often I went in, um, it, it, nothing seemed to be growing. So it was great. So I just had a, had a left mastectomy, mm -hmm. but, um, the tumor was bigger than anyone thought because it had grown backwards, like toward my spine. 
Oh. So, uh, you know, you could, if it had grown, if it had, um, if it had kind of just shifted 180 degrees um, or 90 degrees, rather, it would be left to right, right? It would be mm-hmm. going left to right. So you could really see how big it was. But because it was back toward my spine, Backwards. couldn't really see how deep. So it was larger than anticipated. And I had um, three out of four lymph nodes positive. Mm-hmm three out of five. I can't remember now. Um, So a week later, or 10 days later, rather, um, I went back in and did the axillary lymph node removal. So I had two incisions and Mm -hmm. it was like you could rock climb in my armpit there. Yeah. So so, and I, you know, you can't raise your arm and, um, you know, oh my gosh, I still have that. Um, And so um, when I introduced you to got you and Shalita talking. Yeah. She, I mean, I did go to a lymph, uh, a physical therapist for lymphedema, uh, uh-huh. but you know that you can only do that for so long. Um, yes. you know, and then COVID hit, I couldn't, and I, I still needed to go with COVID cause I was having courting, yeah. but I couldn't go. And you know, the luck of the world, um, landed me, uh, with Shalita. Yes. And, I can't wait to interview her. Oh, well, you know, her, I, I don't want to say her expertise is lymphedema, but her stretching and just knowing mm-hmm. your body. And she's so yeah. good at what she does that she really helps me stretch it. And, and I had a, I had a trainer, um, uh, previously when we lived in North Carolina, I, I was going to fitness together and I met this young man. And when I came, when we moved back to North Carolina for chemo <laughs> and stuff, um, I got back in touch with, with him and he would come to, we lived in an apartment. We were in between, in, you know, in between States in between, yeah. we were, you know, in between houses or whatever. And, um, Jason would come to our apartment. We had a nice gym and he would help stretch my arm and show me how to do things oh. on the wall. Cause you know, you get those, they Walk give you five seconds. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, but when do I stop? Yeah. Is this painful or is this stretch good? I don't, you yeah. know, when, when gives, someone gives you five seconds of that in the office, because they do have to move people through. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the get real and heal is awesome. If it yeah. could only be great, if you could be done while you're getting chemo. I mean, I just, there's so many things we should be doing when we're getting active treatment, any sort of activity mm-hmm. is better than nothing. The neuropathy. Oh my gosh. I still have neuropathy. I'm looking forward to acupuncture in a month. Yeah. That's how long it took to get on someone's schedule. Are you serious? I yes, I am. When I did the acupuncture, it made a big difference. Oh. And speaking of get really heal, I had to get a letter because yes. I was like, why should I wait till afterwards? Mm-hmm. I need to do it now. Mm-hmm. And so I just advocated and kept and kept until I was like, I want to be at Get Real and Heal because I need to do it now. And my husband said he's seen such a clear difference, even oh, mentally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back then, Get Real and Heal was really doing a whole thing about your thought process, sitting. Before you started working out, you had to sit and listen to something and it was just amazing. And now they're still doing amazing things, but they uh-huh. took that little piece away because they have yeah. so many people coming into the program. But even now you can join their group and they do exercises um, almost daily. They do. So, a lot of them are on a video or uh, whatever, yeah. or virtual. But yeah. to your point, exercise, mm-hmm. mental health is so important. And when you are in a state of chaos Mm. and you have a horrible diagnosis, whether it's cancer or any other horrible diagnosis one can get, um, 
exercise is so important, uh, physical, because it's physical and mental. Mm -hmm. And I only wish that it, it were get real and heal. And I'm I'm sure it's bandwidth. I mean, they only, you know, they can, can only accommodate so many people. I understand that, but uh, maybe through the PFAC, if there are things that we can do to connect people with some sort of exercise, you know, yes. it's just, it's important to show up. And even if all you do is I'm going to move my arms, I'm going to sit that's in a chair, it. but I'm going to move my elbows up. You're engaging. You're engaging. And yes. that's so important. I mean, it gives you something yeah. else to look forward to. Um, I used to really like it because DJ Gene, and there were some other people there, but those are the two people that there were there when I was actively going and um, they can't get rid of me because I'll show up at any time. You know, Jean has now (laughs) retired from, from get real and heal. So she's not there anymore, but I liked how if one person was at one stage where all they were doing was moving their arm, another, another person over there was getting it on the treadmill. I used to Mm -hmm. be like, one day I'm going to get there. Right. right. (laughs) And that person could tell you I was where you were a couple of weeks ago. That's the beauty of it. Oh my God. Exactly. And that right there, the mental health side of it was so amazing because I was able to work out with trainers that knew that, okay, I have lymphedema or Mm -hmm. I don't have to wear the, you know, flash. I used to call it flash because it used to disappear my little fake boob. (laughs) I don't know how it disappeared, but it was flash. And then it was Bonnie and Clyde when I went and got the other side down. But I didn't have to bring them with me. I could just show <laughs> right. up. You could just show up. Le- show up. Leave your yeah, attachments no, at home. Yeah, no wig. I didn't have all right. the accessories. All right. I needed was my my sleeve and my glove to make sure that I controlled my lymphedema. It, and, yes. and everybody, you know, one boob, two boob, no boob at all. I don't know. But I felt comfortable there. And it was yes. good having someone in an environment where you can feel comfortable. But oh, yeah. and they're actually expanding that place. They have I haven't been by, but it is um my understanding is so much larger. New equipment. Yes. Um, and I can't wait to see it. Um there's yeah. just, I, I still get the emails. I think I think things are still virtual. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the there was so much that you know, and, and, and I know people, you know, there's blogs. I mean, there, the, yeah. you know, there's so much out there. There is a lot of information that can be overwhelming, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I, I think one thing that's very important is kind of find your, find your cancer buddy, you know, yeah. um, it, you know, when you, you know, when you do anything growing up, you're, you, you see whether you're, officially assigned a, an older student or yeah. someone just takes you under their wing. How, however it happens. I just remember mm-hmm. first day of first grade, scared to death. My brother was yeah. a year older in the second grade. So not only did he kind of take me under his wings, but the girls that I would walk to school with, because back then you could walk to school and it was okay yeah. without your parent. But, um, you know, you would, you would have like a buddy system, Yeah. you know, and if you were in the Girl Scouts or, you know, in sports, like, cause that's what I did. Um, you know, like you did, uh, you, you, when you're a yeah. freshman and you're, you're on the basketball team, the upperclassmen take you under their wing. Yeah. They show you the ropes. Um, as adults, we tend to lose that for some reason yeah. it's like that's not allowed or my i have to do it myself or yeah i'm, I'm adulting now yeah you know, well adulting is asking for help and exactly. so i i feel like ask those who have been there before you you know it's a club it's a club and if it's- you find yourself in it you need to you need to have a sponsor 
Yes, I, I said that I felt like I was jumped into the gang and given the colors paint. Like, I don't even like pink. What? I don't like, right. What shade of pink is that work for me? I know, right? But having that support group. And if you go to a support group that does not work for you, leave. Yes, leave. I did. Leave. Or and I ended up finding someone from one of the support groups that I went to. And she she was my person. She mm-hmm. is still my person. Um. She's so much my person that she's the godmother to my children. Um, and her mom has been here since my kids were two days old. Like they, oh they love God. her. That That is their grandmother. So wow. I found my person, but my person also found me because yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't need this, but I, I did. And you got to have your cancer buddy. You do. It's, it's your soulmate in a different way. Um, it is, you know, because. The other thing that infuriates me is on health insurance. You know, once you have cancer, you always have cancer. I, I don't want yeah. to, I don't want to fill that out that I have cancer because I don't think I have cancer. You know, uh, yeah. I'm not going to live like I have cancer anymore. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm cured, but yeah. you can't use that word. And, you know, so it, so it is your soulmate when you find that person. Um, yeah. I try to, you know, sometimes I just like insert myself and that might yeah. be too much for people, you know, because I get it. I was there. I didn't mm-hmm. really talk and whisper. You couldn't <laughs> huddle together behind the curtain because it's like a super magic show or something, you yeah. know, and you, it's like, why wasn't I talking to these ladies? But maybe yes. they didn't want to talk, you know, but you see people who come in for treatment without anyone. I can't imagine it during COVID. If you could, if you could not have someone with you, I cannot yes. imagine how hard that was for the patient mm-hmm. and for the nurse staff. Oh, I cannot imagine how hard that was um, because it's hard enough when you could have two people. Yeah. You know, but just think like, man, if, you know, if, if I had, could you query someone who wants to chat about anything, but what we're going through right now, but who yes. wants to chat because I'd love to chat yeah. um, because my family wanted to talk in whispers. Honestly, yeah. I had a headache or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and you being a caregiver, now your husband yeah. being diagnosed with lung cancer, mm-hmm. and then you're being diagnosed with lung cancer, I mean, with breast cancer. And so you've seen the caregiver side of it. Mm-hmm. You've seen the professional side of it as mm-hmm. far as, okay, I can tell you exactly what this med will do to you clinically, but I can't tell you how, how bad you're going to hate your hair falling out. No, <laughs> no, the real stuff. The real stuff. So after going through active treatment, how was home life? Because now you have two people who've gone through some type of treatment for cancer. How was home life once you were... Um, moving that puzzle piece, starting to put puzzle pieces back together? You know, I, um, while I was still receiving um, chemo, I'm trying to think, probably in August, I had mm-hmm. gone back to work because I could work virtually. I yeah. could just help mentor some of the the new uh, team members that the company I worked for had hired, the new pharmacist, mm-hmm. and help them learn how to be a consultant because that's not what you go to school to be. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so I had kind of re-entered the workforce and that was good, you know, cause you need some mind mental health mm-hmm. break in that way too. You, you need do. to put your mind to good use, um, use those brain cells again. Um, but when I finished my chemo and radiation, um, and it was like, I was kicked out. Yeah. I mean, I was, yep. I was dropped. I mean, I was, 
I was kicked off the island. Or, I mean, yes. I felt I felt so alone. I felt like I lost all my friends. And isn't that yeah. sick? Because you you get diagnosed with with cancer and you're in the club that you never want to be in. Yeah, yeah. But then you're out of it and you wanted to be back in it. But that's yeah, like who, where you at? your buddies, right? That mm -hmm. was your your routine. And it's kind of like, I guess when you retire, you need to have, you need to know what you're doing so yeah. that you're not lost. Cause I just felt lost. Um, yeah. now, you know, Jim kept me moving. Um, we, you know, kept me engaged in other mm -hmm. things. Like he, you know, he hated it when I only talked work and then he yeah. hated it when I only talked cancer. Talk cancer yeah. So, you know, he made sure that we talked and did some other things, but he saw that I was kind of, uh, you know, I was like in a, uh, it was just like in a vortex. I was just spinning yeah. and not going anywhere up, down, east, west. So it was just stuck. Um, and I had to kind of find that purpose again. And I found that I was, I think, afraid is mm -hmm. a good word to use to go back to what normal is because, you know, normal's different. Yes. But I had been abnormal for a year plus mm -hmm. from my diagnosis until radi uh, radiation ended the middle of January mm -hmm. of 2019. I was diagnosed in October of 17. So I just was like, what do I do? I mean, I, I felt, next? yeah, it's almost like you're, you've been released on yeah. the one hand, but what <laughs> you're, what you're comfortable with is back there. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of like to go back there. I kind of like to see my buddies. Um, yeah. And it took a while. Um, it was like, it was like, brave new territory um i never i don't know i've always like in my family growing up yeah i was kind of the one everyone leaned on um mm -hmm. as an adult i took my mom tells a story we, we, i have three brothers but one's a lot younger than me so the two of us are close in age we mm -hmm. lived in town and the older kids in the neighborhood we were having a turf war i guess but i mean if my little brother wasn't born, I was eight or seven, you know? So what kind of turf war were we having, you know, in Broadmoor? And some kid threw a Coke bottle. My brothers and I were hiding behind a bush in a neighbor's house. Uh -huh. And some kid threw a Coke bottle and it hit my older brother. And the neighbor told my mom, the, the, uh -huh. the lady whose house we were hiding in the bushes, she told my mom that I stood up and I said, you come over here. Like, <laughs> you hurt my brother, so now I'm all over you. You know, yeah. that's, so that's always been me. Mm -hmm. And to have to accept help oh, from others, kindness, that, you know, was um, it was very hard because I was always the one, like I was Jim's caregiver for a year with his lung yeah. cancer. And then just recently again, but I was always the one doing, 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 and it's not easy for me to sit and accept, Yeah, you know, because I feel like I should be doing, but I had to learn that. And Jim helped me embrace that it's okay to mm -hmm. need help. And it's yeah. okay. And, and I was never, I was never a snob about help. I mean, any help is yeah. great help. Even if it's not the help that I think I would give somebody, yeah. it's great help. You know what I yes. mean? And so all help was appreciated, but it took me a while to accept that. So then when I'm okay, I also have to give up the help. Yes. You know, I have to, because then everyone went back to their life. I'm, but Lisa's supposed to be here on Thursdays, you know, and she's not here on Thursdays now, that, you know. <laughs> that was so hard. I was like, am I abusing this help? When do I let it go? Can I actually get out of bed and make my own? Right. <laughs> right. But, but how long did it take you to accept you couldn't do that? Oh my goodness. It took me forever. And then right. when it was, then when I finally accepted, I was like, oh, 
this is kind of nice. Kind of like it. Kind of like it. And now it's like, okay, when your hair grows back, everybody thinks you're better. But mentally, you still have stuff going on. Physically, you still have stuff going on. You have these war wounds and these scars and all, you know, you truly have been in a fight. And all of that plays a part. And everybody's like, you're not over it yet? (sighs) No. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I would say, you know, even now, like we were talking about cording, I, mm. my, my arm is so tight right now. You know, it, yes. I have to be careful about, you know, I have to exercise, yeah. which is great, but, but you have to. Every yeah. day you have to do something. I have to maintain weight or it gets worse. The lymphedema oh, gets my worse. Goodness. My you know, be careful of fluid intake, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that doesn't help. Um, the, um, you know, you can't take, I mean, I'm a pharmacist, but you can't take medication for life. You do, yeah. you have to try to do things that are non-pharmacological yes. to manage and then what medication will help. That That's my philosophy. Yes. Um, because I don't want, what medication would I be on? I mean, yeah. I don't know, but I don't think I want it. You know, I, uh, <laughs> this med- so. I can tell you that chemo did a doozy on my bones and oh. everything else. And I'm oh, like, yes. I'm feeling like I'm 90 years old on some days and oh, yeah. I shouldn't, but no. I do. So it's like, I cannot wait to get off this 10 year regiment that was supposed to start <sighs> five years. And then you I start know. thinking, well, I only got one year. What if I stop? But if I stop, then if something happens, I'm going to blame it on that one year that I didn't. Give yourself but really, every chance you can. Every, right. Yeah. So I, I will be just mostly on along until I... <laughs> get off and I, well, you know and let's talk about the aromatase inhibitors that oh. you're talking about um because you know as yeah. a pharmacist i can't remember the first one i was on that's a shame yeah. that's chemo brain okay however yeah. whatever first one i was on might have been was letrozole. it tamoxifen no uh-uh. it might have okay. been letrozole okay um it caused at a year right at a year i mean almost to the 52nd week uh-huh. yeah i had such severe pain in my left foot i thought i broke a bone i went to orthopedics i was still traveling yeah i went to orthopedic i couldn't walk so we go to yeah. ortho they do they're like well maybe you broke a bone yeah you know, nothing was broken but it wasn't muscular it yeah. wasn't tendon it, it yeah. was bone pain yeah. that was excruciating oh my goodness did you have the yes, same thing I on whichever first bone... one you were on the well, I could not go on tamoxifen because of blood clots. Yes, I had severe blood clotting twice, and Whoa. I was like, I didn't beat cancer to <laughs> die of this little blood, blood clot. Right. <laughs> I know, not gonna go there. <laughs> so then I moved on to um, S-methane. Yes, and so that's better, but uh-huh. my joints hurt so bad. Still, still, still. hurt so bad some days but i also know like you said the lymphedema the fluid the weight like all of all those pieces Mm -hmm. of the pie that Mm -hmm. puzzle that you have to put together you have to be careful because sometimes one of those pieces is bigger than the other one right and that's what's happening well and because i'm on examistane now and i've been on it for a couple of years with a uh, knock on wood, no problems. I don't wow. have joint pain. I'm older mm-hmm. than you. Um, so I don't know if that's part of it. Uh-huh. Um, because when I was diagnosed, I was older. So perhaps from an estrogen standpoint, my body was always was already going through mm-hmm. and, and um, becoming accustomed to changes because mm-hmm. estrogen does protect joints, not you yes. know, the heart as well, but definitely helps with joint um, cushiness, I'll call it. Yeah. Um, 
so I don't know if that might be the difference, but I had all of those symptoms, the, the bone pain thinking I broke a bone in my foot being the mm. worst, but I don't have that problem in Examistain. And I just uh, had my, uh, I think I'm on every six or nine month checkups. Now you think I would know this, right? But there's yeah. some things I just put, like, I don't need to, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need my calendar. To I don't need to know. It comes up on my phone. Right. I'll, I'll know when I need to go, right? I don't need to commit all that to memory right now yeah. anymore. Um, but I just went two weeks ago and we talked about um, mm -hmm. that and that what I was on was fine. And um, the PA that I, that I met with um, was telling me that, you know, she, that's something that she had been tracking. It was an interest of her. So I, I'm, she's not mm -hmm. doing research on it, but she's just more in tune with remembering stories yeah. about patients' um, experience with the aromatase inhibitors. And she said, it appears that in her, in her experience, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter which one, which drug someone mm -hmm. starts on, that's the one they're going to have the problem with. And then when they switch, they don't really have those problems anymore. So oh, wow. I find that interesting. It's not like we can say, okay, no one should ever start on tamoxifen unless no yeah. one should ever start on letrozole unless just choose your poison because you're going to switch anyway. You know, yeah, just, you're going to end up switching. Right. And yeah. then, you know, I saw uh, an article in the journal of the American medical Association. No, it was a new England journal of medicine. Um, mm -hmm. I want to say in August, um, where it talks about maybe 10 years isn't required, yeah. maybe seven. Did you see that? Yeah. So, that? yeah, because at first I was on the five year mm -hmm. and then it was like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then I had children and I had to come off for that. The whole entire pregnancy felt amazing. Yes, I bet you did. Like, like I was, I was, I was pregnant with glow. twins, but uh -huh. had a different glow. <laughs> Felt amazing. My husband said I was so happy during that time, and I was like, pregnancy. But it's true because my bones weren't hurting. Right. Um, and then um, when I had to come back on it, oh my goodness, mm -hmm. the difference that I would was feeling. And then I was like, okay, seven years? Can we do seven? Right. But I was like, let's go ahead and knock off this 10 because you took a year off yeah. or well, more than a year off. Mm -hmm. And then when I was hospitalized for the, for the clots, like, um, yeah. that took some time. So it was just like, right. you name it, like you said, you name it, it happened to me. And I'm right. like, no, thank you. And like, it's one in a million that this happened. Well, you know, well, I just happen to be that special one. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, it, it, it only matters if it hit, if it happens to you, then it's a, it, you, it's a, it's a hundred percent probability because yeah, it happens. Exactly. And I don't care about the one in a million because I'm the one. Yeah. I'm the one. And that's what matters. Well, exactly. being that, th being the caregiver, and I know you said that, um, you mentioned that your husband uh, was sick again. Mm -hmm. And you're still going through, were you going through active treatment when, or were no, you at the tail end? I was done. I'm just on the aromatase inhibitor. So I was mm -hmm. the status quo. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was being seen every three weeks by every three months by somebody, you know, mm -hmm. um, when Jim was, when Jim got ill, but now I'm, you know, every six to nine months, depending on okay. no more surgical follow-up. It's just radiation and um, medical oncology follow-up now. Okay. Um, you know, then my yearly mammograms and I, you know, put in a plug. I mean, for those yeah. listening and, and, you know, we, we all message this out. Um, yes. I skip my mammogram because I don't want to say because, but this is what happened when Jim was being treated for lung cancer. It just did not get scheduled that year in yeah. um, 2015. I skipped a year. Yeah. And, um, and that's well between 2015 and 2016 you know it's kind of in between it was like 12 months it wasn't a calendar yeah. year 
you know, and then there you go. Um, so, yeah. you know, it is so important to have mammograms. And yes. um, that's another thing that I support whenever I can, you know, mammogram for those, the mobile mammogram unit for those who can't afford mammogram, for mm -hmm. those who can't get to a mammogram. Also, you know, to help educate, you know, for those who feel that it's not important. Um, yes. Because it is so important. Um, early detection, you know, is a game changer in a lot of ways. Um, mm -hmm. My mother was diagnosed. Um, she had stage one. She had a lumpectomy when she was like 63 or 64. She's 86 mm -hmm. years old, 87. You know, hers was caught very early. I know had I gone for my mammogram, if I had I not missed yeah. that period, it would have been caught and it would have yeah. been a different outcome for me. I was going to get breast cancer. That was always in my cards, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's just skipping that year that was unforeseeable. It just was something that was unavoidable. Um, but when Jim, he, he got ill Easter of last year and mm -hmm. um, I was through everything. My hair was really short. It's grown like weeds, but it, you know, mm -hmm. I, I knew I could still see the remnants, right? Cause I yeah. still hadn't, you know, you gain an ounce. It takes yeah. five years to lose it. Um, yes. But I still had this, puppy dog, scruffy hair going on. <laughs> Wasn't quite sure what hair color it was. I wish it had come in gray. That would have been awesome. Um, <laughs> I didn't get that. But um, but no, I was, th I was through all of that. So that was, you know, that was good because then I just went right back into caregiver mode for, for Jim for okay. right at nine months. So what is life, how has life been like for the past six months? Like what, what have you done in the past six months um, <clears throat> concerning Jim, concerning the P fact? What has life looked like? And have you taken some time for yourself? Uh, well, um, uh, Jim fell in the garage on Easter of last year, and he had a, a pre-existing condition that mm -hmm. made his, his brain vessels, blood vessels, very fragile, uh, mm -hmm. uh, really easy to bleed. Um and so he, from that point on, it was just a downward decline. He, you know, he couldn't get ahead of the curve. He, you know, he couldn't one step forward, 20 steps back type of thing. And one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, so he, uh, he was not ambulating. He was home, you know, uh, two reasons. One, I would never, I would never uh, put Jim in a facility. I just, mm -hmm. you know, he was a social animal. Um, he needed to eat. He needed to eat what he liked when he mm -hmm. wanted to eat, not on someone else's schedule, but he needed interaction. He, I could be on an Island and I'd be yeah. fine. That's not Jim. So he was home. COVID would, was another reason, you know, you, you, there was no place to go, but yeah. if there had been, he would not have, if I could yeah. do it at home and get all the right resources in all the extra support that, that he needed that to make it safe for him and support for me. Um, mm -hmm. to help him. So he was home, non-ambulating. Um, he was discharged like April 29th and he passed away on December 20th of, of mm -hmm. just this past December. So I was a 24 seven caregiver, um, could make runs to the grocery store. Um, when I had, um, a good, uh, CNA aide here at mm -hmm. the home or uh, one of one of Jim's ch kids who would visit because they also worked. I mean, they couldn't, you know, be here all the time. So when I had help that I knew I could, Jim was comfortable with and mm -hmm. I could leave him for an hour or two at the most. Um, 
would go and do things. So I, you know, thank goodness I wasn't getting chemo. Thank goodness yeah. I, I didn't have another diagnosis of something. Thank goodness mm -hmm. I am in good health because I don't know how that would have turned out. Um, yeah. But since, um, since his uh, service was in January, I, I hadn't seen my mom in, in over a year. Uh, I hadn't seen, I, some of my family was able to come for gym service. Um, mm -hmm. So I saw them briefly, you know, at a service, you know, it's not like yeah. you visit much. Right. But I, uh, so I went to, to visit my family. I'm from Arkansas. So I went there yeah. for a week and that was awesome. The travel there went to visit the friend. I went to Machu Picchu and Patagonia with Lynn. I went to visit her and her husband and we uh -huh. were talking about another trek. Um, and uh, I went to a cousin's wedding, um, something that I wasn't sure I would be able, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, I could go, but it was kind of sad why I could go, but it was yeah. nice. Cause that was another side of the family, um, that I hadn't seen in years. Um, it's, uh, th his mother was, was my matron of honor. So I hadn't, hadn't seen Paulette in a very long time. So I, I've, you know, and I'm trying to find who I am. I mean, I retired. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I was working virtually, but I couldn't work anymore, um, mm -hmm. from home. So I retired in August of last year, but I'm not ready to retire. And yeah. so I, you know, I need something to do. I've got a project in every closet in this house, but you know, <laughs> why would I want to do that? You, yeah. know? <laughs> you know, that can wait. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I'm trying to find, uh, what it is now PFAC mm -hmm. has been a godsend for me in this yes. process. You know, I had to step away from PFAC with Jim, but I've, you know, gotten into it heart and soul and I enjoy it. Um, we're working on so many um, amazing projects, I think yes. that will help patients and caregivers. I mean, I, you know, we talk about how we, we leave caregivers are left out all the bottom time. line, you know, and there's, and there's different levels. I mean, caregivers, you know, you, you are the caregiver. You want to be plural here, yes. but there's got to be a resource. Like if, if you need <laughs> exactly. it, we need, to, we need to find it. We need to help you with it. And I think I, I really feel, feel strongly that our committee were so large in terms of the volunteers and the background that our members bring. Oh my gosh. In the, let's see, I joined in, in 2018. So yeah. In the four years, uh, almost three and a half years, I guess, since I joined, it has mm -hmm. grown in a positive, thoughtful manner, but yes. in a very logarithmic manner because, oh, you know, we've gone from one to 40 or something, 10 to 40. <laughs> um, but the, the input and mm -hmm. the um, thoughtfulness and the idea generation that this group has is phenomenal. And yeah. I, we're putting, yeah, as you know, putting things on paper, we're, yeah. we're planning, you know, we have goals, we have plans, we have action we plans have so we can budget. actually execute. Yes. Oh my gosh. A um, budget after 10 years. I'm actually going to have Loretta on and Dr. Oh, Hit on. Oh, so um, they're coming on and that's going to be very, very interesting. I might have to pull you back on, on that one. Um, because I think I'm going to do that one live so folks can ask questions oh, and say, oh hey, like, you know, what is the PFAC about or what can we do? Or I believe caregivers always left in the dark. They're left yes. behind. And and that's why I said, what are you doing? And I, I seen a picture of those shoes that you wore to the wedding or didn't wear <laughs> because they were fabulous and high. Ridiculous. <laughs> I brought like Frankenstein's monster with my neuropathy <laughs> if I'd worn them, but I wish 
I could have well, worn them. Well, that picture alone was enough. I was like, okay, these red bottoms are very hot. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> well, I'm hoping after acupuncture, maybe I could get into them. You know, it's, I, I need to be safe because I, I don't need to fall, but you know, yeah. I have a shoe fetish. I, I have a, I have, I'm a centipede or a millipede yeah. or a, you know, whatever pede because I got way too many shoes. <laughs> um, and I just keep buying them because I keep thinking I will be able I'm to wear be. them. You know, like, I, I, I understand. I um I started throwing mine down the stairs when, <laughs> when I was going through treatment on steroids. I could not wear any of them. And my yeah. husband would come in and all the shoes would be around me. And I was like, I can't fit any. Flip-flops. Uh, flip-flops. That's flippers. all you can do. <laughs> I have some right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you, you try to hang on to something mm-hmm. that reminds you of remember when. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, my thing was, I've always, I obviously was deprived of, sh- of shoes as a child yeah. um, because I'm making up for it now. Um, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, I am going to, I'm going to get into those. Cause I have another wedding the the cousins, he's like a second cousin who got married, but uh-huh. his brother's getting married in September. So I have another wedding and maybe and where I is it wear at? those shoes. It, that is actually going to be in Greensboro. The oh, first wedding okay. was over in Texas, so this one's close. Yeah, and so I can drive, which is nice. But um, I'm hoping that I can wear those silver shoes. They're kind of oh. like you know sparkly. They are, <laughs> and, and throw on your shades as you're driving. <laughs> On yes. down to Greensboro. <laughs> I love this yes. picture. <laughs> I love my aviator shades. Yes. That's uh that you um, know when you think of your journey, I mean everyone, yeah. you know, everyone thinks of your journey and it's hard to believe you're where you are. Yeah. Um you know, life was gonna bring you here anyway. Mm-hmm. Cancer's cancer. I don't know what anyone could really do to avoid it. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. You know, cancer's cancer. But you're all you're in a different place, but yeah. you're in you're in just as good of a place as you might have been. Yes. If not better, because I think you know yourself. Yeah. And I still got a big puzzle. I mean, you know, my puzzle was ripped up again, but yeah, I wasn't going to do this. Um, but I'm finding my puzzle pieces. Yeah. They just, like you said, I mean, they change shapes. Yeah. I got to flip them over. Some fell off my table. I got to find them. Um, But life's a puzzle and you can't get frustrated at it because it's never, it'll be complete when it's time. You know, you can't force it. Anita, there is a reason why I met you. And when you stepped away for that little bit of time, you were so missed. Oh. Oh my goodness. We missed you. I was like, where's Anita? Where is Anita at? And, um, you know, they, they didn't share like the details, but we were all like praying for you. And we understood that that caregiver side, it's very hard and difficult to do. I understand when you said my loved one is not going to go into a home and they're not going to do this. I want them to be comfortable at home because right. you knew Jim, you knew your husband, you right. knew exactly what he needed. Mm-hmm. And even the person that I'll be interviewing, um, the massage therapist, mm-hmm. the way she talked about you and your husband and what you did for her, like you was telling me what she did for you. Yes. She talked about what you did for her oh, and how you sold into her 
during your difficult times. And oh my goodness. So you've been a blessing to so many people. Thank you. you. That, That is, that is so nice for you to say and to hear and, and, um, you know, uh, Hutch did reach out to me. He was, yeah, you know, the, and, and Loretta did too. And, and yeah. that was nice, you know, to, to know that there are people that are concerned and do miss you and, yeah, and we know did. that you're not here for a reason they need to, mm-hmm. they need to understand. Um, and I missed you guys too. And I have so really, I love getting <laughs> to know you. I love the, I look forward to seeing you again. Um, yes. Person, yes. But you are, um, you're you're are a very inspiring woman oh, for me. Thank you. You know what thank what you. you've been through as well at your age number one, mm-hmm. what you've accomplished. Oh, as well. I mean the, the <laughs> things that I didn't know about you till recently. Your your previous <laughs> business life and just yeah, you know. Um, and I think people are put in others' paths. For a reason. For a I mean, reason. I, I, you know, there is this life isn't just happenstance. It, yeah. A lot of it is contrived somewhere perhaps. Um, yeah. But there's a reason and you have to take advantage of the opportunity when it presents itself, crack in the door, kick it open. Man, let me tell you, <laughs> uh, Loretta uh, inviting us all to dinner. I I was like, this is a setup. Who is going to be here? But was there was. The same thing. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> but you know what? Out of that, because meeting Dr. Hit, uh-huh. I'm now because of my background consulting. Yeah, I do a lot of productivity stuff. Now I oh. don't necessarily understand the ins and outs yeah. of, of diagnostic radiology or, or mammography, rather. But mm-hmm. I understand productivity and mm-hmm. widgets. So mm-hmm. I'm helping her try to figure out her landscape. Um, wow. And I do things mathematically because I don't think you can really argue with the math. There you go. Things, you sound like my you husband. Know? You can't so argue I'm, with math. <laughs> yeah. So that out of that meeting came a project that is very exciting for me. Yeah. It's challenging mentally and it's, mm-hmm. it's giving, you know, it's helping me find my way because I've got a yes. lot of time in my day now that I just had a huge void that opened up mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden. My, my day was occupied 24 seven. I was I was never rested. I was exhausted all the time, mentally, physically, spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had this void. And so now, you know, you can't fill it too soon because then that, that's not thoughtful. That's not, yeah. It's dangerous. Um, But it's coming together. So again, that, that, that little dinner that she invited us all to, she knew what she was doing. She knew it because <laughs> I'm I'm now working on this big project of hers. Right. <laughs> the, the email came on that Sunday and we were there late. <laughs> See, but so... it was it was amazing. And the things that they talked about, they actually are doing. And um yes. there's there's a reason why I, I, I now know that I didn't become the president of the PFAC. Besides me saying no, no, and no. Yep. Now I'm about to step into something else. Well, you're so. devoting just as much time and energy to it. And I, I yeah. don't know how you do it. Um, you know, with, with know. two young, with two young <laughs> girls, I mean, I, you know, you, you have one of the most difficult jobs on the oh. planet being a mom anyway, Man. you know, you, you, so <laughs> you go to Colorado and you mess up your knee and then you come back and do it all over again. <laughs> 
gosh. But I, I had imagine. ball. Well, we have definitely, we're on the, almost the hour and 30 minute mark. <laughs> I said it would be around 45 minutes. I'm sorry. But is I have to have you back on, on a live show if you do not mind. I don't um, mind at all. Because I want to talk more about these puzzle pieces that we're always going through. Like you say, some of them fall off the table. Some of them get bigger. Some of them you have to flip over and then come back and look at it later. Right. So, um, goodness, Anita, thank you so much for being on. Is there anything you would like to tell our audience, our guests, um, before you leave us? We've talked so much about everything and I, I really enjoyed this. Oh, I did too. Thank you for having me. I, I've enjoyed getting to know you this. Um, it's just, you know, it's awesome that, you know, you asked me to be on your, on your podcast. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the only thing is, you know, just, you just can't live your life in fear. Don't be afraid. Yeah. You know, you, you're afraid, afraid of what you don't understand. So ask questions. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get an answer that works for you, ask again. Yes. You know, your healthcare team is there for you, not for them. Exactly. So you need to make sure you're an advocate of your care. And if you don't know, bring someone with you. That was a big thing that you bring someone with you so they can take notes so you can discuss it later. Cause it's so important to have that team, have that village. It is, and, it, you know, it's, you can't, you cannot do this alone. And yeah. um, I'm a control freak and I have, Oh man, when I had, <laughs> I had to give up control. It's like, this is not comfortable, but you know what? <laughs> You got to go with the flow. I, I usually swim upstream and mm -hmm. I, I could not do that during yeah. my treatment. I had to just go with the flow. Go and with the flow. It, things worked out the way they were supposed to. They and were. Um, that's, you know, everyone contributed to me in mm -hmm. a variety of ways. And I had to let that happen. I, I had to yeah. accept. It's okay to, to accept help. So, yeah. Don't live in done. fear. You've done stuff for so many people. So I, it, it comes back. It, does. it, it should. Comes. You have to let it. <laughs> you got it, but you have to let it. Well, Anita, I want to thank you so much for being on my podcast today. And again, we will have you on as uh, for another live. So guys, please make sure that you listen in to the puzzle pieces with my friend. I can call you a friend now, right? Of yeah. course. <laughs> We're I in need the club, a, I'm in the club. I'm in the club. As long as we don't wear pink, I'm good. I'm good too. I'm good. I'm good. Well, <laughs> hang out backstage and I'm going to close this out for us. Thank you so much, Anita. I appreciate your time. Well, guys, this has been great. I told you it was going to be a good one. I told you it was going to be a good one. I need you guys to remember that the glow doesn't define me. I define the glow. And how are you defining your glow, guys? This has been a wonderful podcast. I'm looking forward to dropping many more. So start looking at us, dropping our podcast. Um, I think I'm going to do it on a Friday. You know, in your week, you know, you get that phone call at three o'clock on a Friday. How about you just listen to my podcast and subscribe to it? Um, <clears throat> if you guys want to share your glow, please make sure that you contact me at chemoglow.com. This has been a wonderful, wonderful podcast, and I'm looking forward to many more. Talk to you later, guys.